Welcome, Redeem family and friends. What a great opportunity to be able to come and meet the Lord together. This is a very special occasion because this is what in the Christian circles they call Holy Week. So Holy Week begins on this thing called the triumphant entry on a Sunday, and it goes through Jesus coming into town, riding on a donkey uh, as the King of Peace, and then it ends uh, a week later with him being resurrected from the grave. So it's a pretty powerful week. And what we're going to see today is that the response on Sunday of Jesus coming as the promised Messiah was really well received. However, uh, it only lasted five days. So let me just do a little overview of Holy Week real quick. So he comes in and he says, I am the promised king. And the people come out and they're celebrating him as that. That's what we're going to be seeing. But then five days later, they, they move from singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, here is our king, to crucify him, crucify him. And so we need to see why they were able to flip so easily. And I, it's, it's not a point of judging them. It's a, a point of knowing what their expectations were compared to the expectations of the Lord Jesus. And so I think almost all of us want a Messiah. We have this preconditioned idea of what Messiah should look like. And if we can put that on Messiah when he shows up, yay, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But when he gets off of that, it's crucify him, crucify him. And so the real question I want to pose of all of us today as we enter into Holy Week is what are your expectations of a Messiah and even the message of the Messiah? Because if we can't receive the Messiah's message, let's be truthful, we're not receiving Messiah, right? And so that's what we're going to see here. So let me just ask you if, if you could put yourself in the place of Jesus for a moment. You're about 30 years old. You've been walking through Israel. You have been cultivating deep friendships with your disciples. You've told them who you are. You've told them what's going to happen. You've told them several times that you're going to need to die and that you are the Messiah, that you are actually God in flesh and that you're going to be raised from the dead. And this is going to be the hardest and the best week of your life. Now, if that's true, you need to be prepared for this week, right? And the people around you actually have an opportunity to say, come on, Jesus, you've got this. And I think in one sense, Jesus had every right for his disciples uh, to know who he was and to be a part of those who could empower him to walk that last week and to actually feel the best you can about going. Let's face it. I mean, he went to a cross. He went to a terrible death and then he does get raised from the dead and I can't wait for the next week after that because we get to have resurrection Sunday and, and Sir Eddie Johnson is going to be bringing that message and it'll be fantastic but back up again he knows that before there's going to be resurrection Sunday that there's going to be a, a really a brutal beating a cross and a death and so if you're facing that, what do you need? I can tell you right now what you need. You need strength. That is a heavy load to carry. And nobody should have to carry that alone. So you've built this team, and if they can't help you carry it, at least if they understand what you're carrying, that, that lightens the load, right? And so I think those are the proper expectations that he would have. And so if we were in that crowd, or if we were the disciples of his days, what can we do to say to Jesus, you've got this. I'm sorry you have to go through this. What can we do to help? What, what could we do to prepare him? And the only thing I know is to be able to say, you know what, Lord, we understand 
and this is difficult and awful, and we're grateful that you would do it. If we could just share that, I think it would work. So we're going to go back and we're going to see that indeed in this week there was some of that. And we're also going to see where the crowds missed their opportunity to bring that. It's interesting because, as we said, the things that might have been able to help him lighten his load, I think the number one thing is feeling understood, right? That, that causes us to stand straight and say, yes, we can. But the thing that causes us to follow through in most cases is joy. It's so fascinating to me that Scripture says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Over and over we see that joy empowers us to do things we cannot do on our own, even when we feel understood, even when we know it's the right thing to do. Joy somehow moves us through that impossible. And so I'm going to suggest to you that at the very end of this message, I'm going to ask you to open up your joy tank. I'm going to ask you to literally step into joy and bring some joy that would have brought a little bit of peace and strength to Jesus on that day. And to be able to understand what that joy can do for us and others as we step into it. It's interesting because for some of us, joy faces a little bit of a different obstacle. For some of us, it's we don't have it in ourselves to bring the joy. So how do you give joy if you don't have it? For some of us, we're just a little bit shy and embarrassed. And we don't really know how to demonstrate our emotions in public very well, those types of things. What I'm going to suggest to you is that God has pre-wired us with the ability to tap into joy. Because he wouldn't say the joy of the Lord is our strength if we didn't have the joy of the Lord to tap into. In fact, we're going to see that the Lord himself poured out his joy over us so that we have it. That's the beauty of looking into a triumphant entry. And I'm telling you, the triumphant entry is the main point of this message is not the death, it's not the cross, it's not even the grave today, but it's the fact that you can see it as a triumphant entry because you know on your entry that you're going to fulfill the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You know and that Jesus was motivated by the end, the outcome that would come from his death. He, his eyes just weren't on the death. His eyes were on the joy set before him that enabled him to be humble enough to go to the cross, fulfill the mission, so that you and I could walk in joy today. You might see that uh, I'm wearing my bright orange shirt. And so I, I bought this church in Tarok in the Philippines because I was in a church over there, uh, First Baptist Church of Tarok. And those individuals uh, that led the worship were some of the most amazing, God-inspiring, joyous people I've ever met. And you look around sometimes and you, and you look into their community and there were so many hard things. And yet as they stepped into a place of worshiping God, it was nothing hard at all. It was just amazing, free, spontaneous, full of life joy. And they would often use bright orange. And I asked them, they said, well, orange is the color of praise. And so I just went out and bought the brightest orange shirt I could find. I wear it to this day, and I wear it on these days where I really need to release and tap into that joy. So that's where I'm, I'm wearing my bright orange. And so by uh, Easter, you know, they do pastels. Push some of those pastels aside. Go bright. Go loud, okay? And uh, maybe even consider jumping into some song. And we're going to be discussing that later, too. So we're going to look at this, and we're going to see Jesus having this triumphant entry. And as he's getting ready to come into 
uh, his own to fulfill his mission on earth, this is what we're going to find. We're going to find a bunch of individuals uh, called, we're going to call them a crowd, and that's what the Bible is going to refer to them as, who have their hopes up. They actually have the hopes that this Messiah could be the real thing, the real Messiah this time. And their idea of a Messiah, though, was we need somebody to come in here and really stomp out the bad guys and then put us on the top of the food chain. That was their, the message they were looking for. And so when they heard about Jesus, they said, this is Jesus. This is the God who's doing the prophet, I mean, the miracles. This is the God who's actually even healed somebody from the dead, Lazarus. And Lazarus was walking around in Bethany. They knew it. So they had hope that maybe this was the real guy this time. And so they were looking for a Messiah. They had their hopes up. And when he comes, the whole city goes into an uproar and they're excited in hoping that he is going to be their reason uh, for being able to enter into joy. The bad guys are dealt with and we're on the top of the food chain. And unfortunately, when Jesus didn't deliver upon that role of a Messiah, that's when they moved to the crucify him, crucify him. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think when God shows up, we need to acknowledge that it's God that shows up. It's not our watered down version of who we want him to be. In fact, God has, in a sense, the ability to be God, and he just has to be who he is. He can't be who he's not. And so we're not going to be able, and thank God for this, to encourage him to come and share a message that's not true, to share a life that doesn't reflect who he really is at the core of his essence. And so I'm so grateful that when he comes, he is who he says he is. And he's going to literally model that life and that message all the way. So it's incumbent on us to have the right expectation of him. And when the right expectation frees him to be who he really is, and it also frees us to receive him for who he really is. And so, I mean, I remember uh, when I was in a mall with my daughter Sarah one time, and it was around uh, Easter, and the Easter bunny was there, and the Easter bunny hopped up this person in a suit to Sarah, you know, bounding up, trying to be all friendly, and Sarah was just really scared by it. She just withdrew, got behind me. And then the Easter Bunny tried a little bit harder. And then Sarah just even, you know, closed off more. And then I, I was sitting there thinking, why did she respond like that? And I realized that she just felt like it was creepy. Like she knows there's a person inside that suit and then they jump up and they're acting like they're a bunny when they're really a human in a suit. It just wasn't right. And then it was really funny, it was about a few months later, we were at a campground, and somebody comes up dressed as Smokey the Bear, ooh, and he's being all happy, the exact same thing again, Sarah's just freaking out. And so I noticed with my daughter Sarah, even to this day in her life, that when something doesn't seem right, she doesn't pretend that it's, everything's good. She actually has a struggle with it. In fact, she'll say things like, that doesn't seem, I mean, she'll just say it like it is. Well, I want to be able to uh, say to you today, I'm not expecting the Lord Jesus to dress up in the Easter bunny suit for Resurrection Day. I'm not expecting God to put on any little mascot suit uh, because that makes us feel happy or comfortable. I want him to be full on God. I want him to feel, feel that uh, he has that freedom, that he doesn't have to sit there and and pretend for me because he doesn't even do that anyway. So it's my expectation that needs to change. And I'm so thankful that we can uh, say, Lord, we don't want a watered down version. 
We want the right version. And we want to be able to see it so that we can reflect that it's our problem, God, not yours. If we're unwilling to accept you for who you are, then we're no different than the rich young ruler that came and said, hey, I really want to follow you. And Jesus said, you're so close. Let's go. Just sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and you'll be on. And he said, I just, I can't do that. When he saw it that clear, no, I can't, I can't do that. And he went away sad. And can you see that Jesus went away sad too? It wasn't just one person. And so we need to receive him for whom he really is. And I'm telling you, whatever he tells us to give away, he has every intention of only increasing our joy in that area. He doesn't take away from us to make us feel less. He only tells us to give up with that, that which keeps him from being more in our lives. That's the significance of Messiah. And that's what I want for us. And we're going to see it in this amazing triumphant entry. It's, it's interesting. The triumphant entry is in all four of the Gospels. And, and friends, this is significant because not even the birth of Christ is in all four accounts of the Gospels. But the triumphant entry is and in each one of them. They refer to the amazing prophetic song in Zechariah 9.9, the Hosanna song, because they all attribute that Jesus was indeed Messiah. So it's not a question of whether he was Messiah or not. It wasn't a question of did he claim to be Messiah. No, he claimed to be. They all knew he was. They gave that to him, but their version of what Messiah looked like was wrong, not Messiah himself. And so if you look at it with me, I'm going to read John 12, and we're going to go through verses 12 through 19 for a moment so that we can see what Scripture has to say about this triumphant entry. It says, On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches off the palm trees and went out to meet him. And they began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Behold, your king is coming. These things his disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. You know, it's interesting that the disciples themselves didn't quite get it. It wasn't until later, after Jesus was raised from the dead in his glorified state, that they go, oh yeah, you know what? He really was Messiah all the time. And yeah, these things really did happen to him. But when they could see him in his glory, they really knew who he was. Here's our secret. Christians, I I want us to lean into this. If we can truly see Jesus for who Jesus is, others will see him for who he is too. When we can see him and respond to others out of who he is, not that mascot Messiah version, not the watered down one, but when we can truly be the change agent of life, of love, of everything that is from the kingdom of God, whether it means to be poor in spirit and humble, whether it means to do as Kurt shared with us two weeks ago about putting on that new self and and having gentleness and kindness and humility and love reign, knit together in our relationships, even as we be, were able to hear from Liz and John last week about the marriage relationship. When we walk that way, people see the risen, glorified Jesus in us. 
And that's what causes people to tap into the joy that they need to make that same change. Christians, that's our goal. That's our opportunity. And so I want us to make sure that we see him for who he is. And so there's very two uh, simple things uh, for me today that uh, I want to make sure we understand as a body of believers. And number one is that our hearts need to be open to embrace Jesus fully as Jesus is. Our hearts need to be fully open to receive him as he really is. And so that means we really do have to stop, put our expectations, put our agendas down, and look at it. Do they align with what he says? And the bottom line is that we often don't trust him. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says, walk this way and it'll go well. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we don't always lean into it and really believe it. Do we trust him that when he says it, that's the way it really works? It is. And if you believe it, and here's number two, then follow him with joy. We don't want to be these reluctant followers, These uh, we think. And I certainly don't want us to be uh, what I call fabricating joy. We don't want to say, yeah, I'm joyful because I can do this or, or because I've seen a miracle. I, I think sometimes Jesus needs a revival from our revivals. I really do. I think we sit there and say, come, and it's going to be this. Come, and it's going to be all surface level exciting. We come, we experience those things. Then what do we do? We go out and we look for some more things that validate that type of experience. When what he's really wanting to do is to come and be fully re, um, revealed to us in such a way that we can fully receive how he reveals himself. He's about changing our lives. He's not about the miracle stuff and all those other things. Those, those things only serve to be able to come out of us when we walk in joy. If we're seeking those things, then we're not following him because he said, seek first my kingdom my righteousness, and everything else is added. And so let's, let's make sure that our expectations are to know that heart of God for who God really is, and then bring joy to that seeking. Bring it, joy in being able just to be present with Him, to come to a new level of understanding with Him, to be able to represent His life to another person should be some of the greatest joys that we ever experience. Just to be able to know that we did something right that represented the life of Christ should be able to cause us to feel great. And so I'm going to give you a hint here on how it is that we can truly walk in the presence of the Lord and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And it's actually found in the way that the Lord interacts with us. I'm going to ask you, because this is, this is the true essence of Messiah coming again. So I want to make sure that you understand this. Messiah came and he came as Jesus and the people did not receive him. They wanted a different Messiah. This Messiah they reject. So he comes and he says, all right, I'm coming again. And when I come the next time, I'm looking for something on earth. And what he was looking for on earth was people of faith. I'm looking to see do you really believe it? And so that he is coming again. And I just have to acknowledge because I want to be accurate and truthful about this. When he comes again, he's going to be receiving those who are his own into his family. And those who are not his own are going to go into a courtroom where they will face judgment on what they did believe, what they did put their hope and joy in. And so we want to make sure we get this right. And so I want to 
reveal to you the truth of what Jesus said about himself, I also want to reveal to you the life that he's living in me that should reflect his truths. And if I can do that, I'm hoping you will get a better glimpse of who Jesus really is. I honestly, friends, I don't understand why some people don't receive Christ. Until I look around and say, yeah, if you saw what that church is doing or what these, some of these people are doing in the name of Christianity or evangelism, I get it. It is it's kind of repulsive. It feels like Smokey the Bear running up and trying to make you like him. If we can take all that stuff off and just be truthful, if we can just reveal the heart of Christ and to, and to call you to a place of seeking to understand him, then we're literally moving in his glory, which really should give you understanding. And that's what we should bring. So watch this. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, he says he's coming back, and this is how he's going to respond. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, and he will twirl over you with loud songs of joy. I'm not even sure I know exactly what that means. I mean, he's coming back. He's coming and it says, your God, this is Yahweh Elohim, most high true God, is coming and he's coming as a warrior. But the warrior is coming to exalt over us, to give us joy. He's coming in joy and imparting joy to us as he comes so that we can receive it. That's what it is in his heart. Why? Because maybe when he was entering into Jerusalem on that day that we call the triumphant entry, maybe he was looking to find the joy and the strength from us as well. If he gives that to us, maybe we could have given it to him. And I wish I could almost go back retroactively and give it to him up front, but I can't. But what I can do is I can give it to him now. And that when he returns, he doesn't have to just come giving joy to me, but he can receive my joy in the meantime. And it says that he's, he's going to be quiet in his love as well. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm asking that we take time to be reflective and to be able to, to think differently, to have the right expectations. So I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to read this passage again, and then I want you to even be willing to listen to a couple songs. One of the songs I'd like for you to listen to is by Rich Mullins, and it's called Surely God is With Us. And you'll be able uh, to find this link in the description below, or if you have to, you can look it up and get it on Facebook. But get the description, listen to the song, take time to really hear what this music is sharing about who Jesus really is. I, it's almost haunting in, in a joyful way, but it certainly move us to a greater level of wanting to understand him. And then uh, if we can move to this next section, so listen to that, being quiet in his love, be reflective, and then think about this, that he will dance over, he will rejoice over, the Hebrew word means to twirl, and I, I'm admitting I'm not quite sure what that means, it's like a dance move, but anyway, he's gonna bust out some cool dance move over you with loud songs of joy. So what he's gonna do is he's gonna say, I am so fully in love and joyful over you that I can't keep still. I'm gonna move. And I'm wondering, when's the last time that we did at least what the crowds did? Go cut down some palm branches, go, you know, go throw a couple shirts off, let the donkey walk on it. When's the last time we exhibited some of that kind of energy that really entered into joy and celebration? And I, I, uh, 
I recognize that here, Jesus is willing to do that for us. Jesus is willing to dance over us in a twirling, loud, shouting, singing way because he's so full of joy. That's what he's given us. Now let's receive it and give it back to him. And this is what I'm thinking is that when he returns, he's looking for people who, are, who have faith. I have faith that Jesus is fully deserving of my joy. Fully deserving. In fact, in one sense, I want him to be able to lean on me that I will be able to represent his life in the meantime until he comes. That I will receive that joy and I will give it to others. That I will be that truth to others. And so, you know, there's a sense where we can also allow Jesus to work his life through us. And what I'm suggesting is that might be the greatest miracle of all, and it may be the greatest gift that we can give to Christ. So here we go. We're getting ready next week to get to meet together for resurrection services. And we're going to be at Lakes High School. Again, go Lancers. Hey, we're in the Orange for Lakes too, Orange Crest. Uh, not really, I'm wearing it because it's a color of praise and I want to honor the Lord. But anyway, Lakes Lancers, uh, 10 a.m. We're going to be at the PAC. There's plenty of room for social distancing. We're going to be following all the right protocols. But it'll be a chance for us to come together and to celebrate the amazing wonders of what Messiah has done for us. And we don't have to worry about um, you know, what he hasn't done. Can we just this week really lean into what he has? And can we communicate to him our deep appreciation and love for him? That's the power of the triumphant entry, and we get to bring that to him. So in closing, I'd like to be able to say that um, we are able to be, to be able to give to another person truth and love in such a way that they can receive it when we first received it ourselves. If we're in the joy, if we're in the truth of the Lord, then we have it to give. Have you ever just taken a moment and just said, Lord, I really do believe in you. You are my hope. I accept you for who you are. Be at that type of level of uh, reflection this week. And then uh, for those of us who have made those decisions, can we push aside the distractions? And just this week, really enter into a joyful gratitude for what the Lord accomplished during Triumphant Week. Bless you in this and looking forward to uh, having you all meet together with us on uh, Resurrection Morning or Easter Morning. Thank you.